MSW Media. This episode is supported by MixHers, a nutritional supplement that helps balance hormones. Get $5 off your first purchase at mixhers.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Today, Trump wanted to schedule his self-surrender in Fulton County the same day as the GOP primary debate to usurp the media attention. A new expose on Elon Musk shows how he met with Putin and then began sabotaging Ukraine battlefield communications. Trump's bond is set in Fulton County at $200,000 and contains robust restrictions against witness intimidation. And Jack Smith responds to Trump's April 2026 trial date recommendation for the conspiracy against rights case. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. <laughs> oh, boy. I Quite know. a news day. <laughs> So a lot of this stuff is is Jack Smith related and Fulton County related, and we're going to go over all that in very good granular detail on the Jack podcast and on Clean Up on All 45, but we definitely wanted to get you the headlines here at the Daily Beans. And this Musk, this Elon Musk expose by Ronan Farrow is, it's long, but it, it's got a lot in it, Dana, and you're only going to go over a tiny, tiny portion of what's in there, um, something that I thought was... The, like the most important part, which was his Starlink communications thing and Ukraine. So totally. Whenever Ronan drops something, I'm like, let's go. It's going to be good. Yeah, he's just absolutely incredible. He's written this piece for The New Yorker. I recommend you read the entire thing. So anyway, we do we do have a lot of news to get to today. It was a heck of a news day. Did I just say it was a heck of a news day? It's a heck of a news day, says Allison Gill. And how? <laughs> with all these shenanigans and goings on. Uh, yeah, it was fucking crazy news day. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up, Donald Trump has confirmed that he will not attend the first Republican primary debate in Milwaukee on Wednesday. That was in a post on Truth Social as he weighs several options for counter-programming in an attempt to upstage the opening event in the party's nominating contest. And this article comes from Hugo Lowell at The Guardian. He said the former president confirmed on his social media platform he would be attending no primary debates. Quote, new CBS poll just out has me leaving the field by legendary numbers. I will therefore not be doing the debates. The Trump team has two overarching priorities for the debate, according to several sources briefed on the situation. First, to starve the other Republican presidential candidates of attention and second, to publicly humiliate Fox News, which is hosting the event with the RNC because he has been displeased with some of its recent coverage. And photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the orange photo with his chin. I don't know. Yeah, the orange chin photo. For weeks, Trump has asked his aides privately and rally crowds publicly whether he should attend the debates or engage in counter-programming efforts in a boastful display of his political strength, even after being criminally charged four times. The response has overwhelmingly been for him to skip the debates. Trump has told allies he intends to shun the event and that his sit-down interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson, which he taped in recent days, could be released around the same time. Trump had also considered swaggering into the debate last minute without prior warning, betting they would almost certainly cause the news coverage to be about his surprise visit and not what the other candidates say. 
but he has since soured on that option, according to people briefed with the matter. The Trump team had explored whether Trump could do the ultimate counterprogramming by scheduling his surrender to the authorities after the Fulton County District Attorney charged him with conspiring to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia to take place at the same time. But even though the political team had pushed for him to be booked at Fulton County on Wednesday, his legal team has been opposed to it. Trump's lawyers thought Thursday was more realistic and intend to finalize logistics with the district attorney's office Monday. And by the way, they did, and we'll get to that in a second. At the meeting with Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, Trump's lawyers are expected to negotiate the scope of his surrender, including whether the former president will have his mugshot and weight released. The Trump campaign has asked the lawyers for there to be no photograph, mostly because aides have produced a flattering quote-unquote mugshot, which they completely fabricated, and have used on promotional materials, even though Trump once thought getting arrested and photographed would make him look defiant. The political team has since recalibrated for a potential surrender on Thursday morning, followed by a news conference, which they see as additionally beneficial because it would almost certainly drown out coverage of the debate from the previous night. Now, Fox News execs and hosts have reportedly been begging Trump to take part in the debate. Last month, the Fox News president, Jay Wallace, and CEO Suzanne Scott went to Bedminster personally to try to convince him to go and came away thinking he might still participate. But Trump's been openly attacking Fox News since the launch of his presidential campaign, in part because of its positive coverage of Ron DeSantis and has privately lashed out at the Fox Corporation chairman, Rupert Murdoch. Let them fight. I love it. That story should be part of the fairy tale hour that we've been talking about that possibly may go into the beans. But last month, the Fox News president, Jay Wallace, and CEO Suzanne Scott went to Bedminster to convince Trump to attend and came away thinking he could still participate. That'd be a good one. To the magical land of Bedminster. Indeed. Classified documents go to die. <laughs> All right. This is from Kyle Cheney at Politico. Donald Trump's attorneys have signed an order sending his bond and racketeering charges in Georgia $200,000 and binding Trump to a set of rules that he is sure to break that explicitly limit his ability to use social media to attack witnesses or co-defendants in the case. The three-page order signed by Georgia Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee sets the conditions of Trump's pre-trial release in the case, which stems from his effort to, as we know, subvert the 2020 election. Similar orders were also issued earlier Monday to three of Trump's co-defendants, John Eastman, Kenneth Cheeseborough, Scott Hall. But Trump's included a more explicit order on witness intimidation. I can't understand why. Hmm. Explicitly referencing the former president's ability to use the social media platform to level attacks related to the case. Allison, you're going to go over those restrictions, by the way, in details on tomorrow's episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45. But it's important to note that none of the others have similar restrictions. OK, so this is very specific to Donald. Trump has spent months assailing prosecutors in the case, though the order does not explicitly reference his commentary on District Attorney Fonnie Willis or her team. But Trump has also commented on witnesses likely to be called or discussed in the matter, and that's including Ruby Freeman. And we, as we know, that was the Georgia election worker who became the subject of baseless conspiracy theories amplified by Trump and Rudy Giuliani about possible manipulation of votes in Georgia, all dispelled as false. Now, while Trump's bond was set at $200,000, including $80,000 for the racketeering charges and ten dollars apiece for each of the other counts he faces. <laughs> yep. Eastman's was set at $100,000 and Hall's was set at $10,000. Now, when Trump was arraigned on related federal charges in Washington, D.C., 
He was also ordered by the court to refrain from attacking or intimidating witnesses or others involved in the court case. He has nonetheless used his true social platform to attack the judge in the case, slam Mike Pence, uh, who's, as we know, likely going to be a witness in that case, as well as one of his rivals in the 2024 GOP nomination. Uh, U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin has warned him to avoid further inflammatory statements in this matter. So he's gotten a lot of warnings. He's been a bad boy. He's also completely unable to not be reactive and impulsive. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, everyone's uh, putting bets down on how long that's going to last. And I imagine it it won't be long. Uh, But this is a really interesting thing that happened. You, You talked about Judge Chutkin and the conspiracy against rights case. Well, Jack Smith filed a motion early this morning to get permission to file a response to Trump's April 2026 trial date request. (laughs) And Judge Chutkin immediately granted Jack Smith's request to file that response and gave Jack Smith until Tuesday, August 22nd. Today, as you're listening to this, she gave him a day to file. He filed it immediately. Hell yes, he did. (laughs) And it's it's a scorcher. First, I'm reading from a thread that I just put up on Twitter. If you want to have a text version of this. Let's recall the reasons Trump said he needed April 2026 as a trial date. First, the average time it takes to complete a trial for 18 U.S. Code's 371 charge, that's the defrauding the United States charge, is 29 and a half months from commencement to termination. Number two, there's just too much discovery to go over. It'd be taller than the Washington Monument, and it'd be like reading War and Peace 72 times a day or some shit. Number three, The SEPA hearings for the classified materials in this case would just take forever. And number four, the December 11th jury selection date conflicts with a hearing in another Trump criminal matter, namely the classified documents proceedings in Florida. So let's start with Jack's response to the average length of these cases being 29 and a half months. Jack Smith goes, dude, you calculated that 29 and a half months. That's actually the average time it takes to get through sentencing not the beginning of the trial. So fuck you. And the examples they used for these cases were in 2021 and 2022 when the court was recovering from all the COVID backlogs. Trump failed to mention that in his calculation of these cases take 29 and a half months. Trump also used January 6th rioter cases to calculate his 29 and a half months and failed to mention that the cases he cited included superseding indictments, pre-trial detention hearings, plea negotiations, and one of them had 19 defendants. So yeah, those take a while. So they skewed this data hard. Also, the fact that they mentioned that the cases he cited included superseding indictments, that could indicate that maybe he's not going to have any superseding indictments in this case, but we don't know. Now, as far as the volume of discovery complaint, Jack notes that only like almost 65% of our discovery is shit you already have. So fuck off. I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) by the way. I'm paraphrasing pretty heavy here. Something that stood out to me in this filing, Jack says he's got 3.1 million pages of Secret Service emails. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's important because remember the Secret Service texts were all erased or missing. We don't know if they've ever been found, but this could be a way to sort of make up these 3.1 million pages of Secret Service emails he got. Um, So he mentions that. Uh, As for the SEPA hearings, that's the Confidential Information Production Act, about classified material in this case, Jack says he doesn't intend to use it 
any of the classified material and there's minimal classified material and he doesn't intend to use any of it in the case in chief. Uh, And, you know, like I said, Dana, he can run those hearings at the same time. They don't have to be uh, consecutive. They can be running concurrently. And Jack said he'll explain more about the SEPA stuff during the August 28th hearing. So I'm looking forward to that. And then (laughs) Jack says the comparisons to the Washington Monument and Tolstoy are fucking stupid. He's like, (laughs) these are, he, he says, these are neither helpful nor insightful. In fact, comparisons such as those are just a distraction from the issue at hand, which is determining what is required to prepare for trial. And uh, this is the best part. Trump is mad that Jack Smith wants December 11th jury selection in the D.C. coup case. But there's a, there's a, a December 11th hearing scheduled in Judge Cannon's court for the documents case. And Trump even filed a thing with Judge Cannon, like, look at this. They hate you. They think you're stupid. They, they scheduled their jury selection the same time as your honor's hearing. You should take the appropriate action. Well, Jack addressed that in this filing in D.C. And this is so funny because this is exactly what Andy said on the episode of Jack that's out now. He's like, the DOJ will probably be like, fine, it won't be December 11th. How about December 12th? And that's basically <laughs> basically what they did. So the whole thing is on my Twitter account. If you want to read it, at Mueller, she wrote, it's really, it's a, it's a pretty great filing. Uh, and we'll see what happens on August 28th when Judge Chutkin makes the decision about when to hold the trial. All right, AG, thank you very much. And buckle up, here we go. This is the Ronan Farrow story we were talking about. He wrote a very long expose out in The New Yorker today on Elon Musk. So check it out. I'm just covering a very small piece of it. It includes information about his early life, his work with Tesla, SpaceX, and AI. But I'd like to go over what Farrow exposed about Elon Musk and his satellite communication system called Starlink. All right. Ukraine has been using Starlink on the battlefield during their war with Russia for on-the-ground communications. But here's a bit from this piece. Musk had become involved in the war in Ukraine soon after Russia invaded, and this was February of 2022. Along with the conventional assaults, the Kremlin was conducting cyber attacks against Ukraine's digital infrastructure. Ukrainian officials and a loose coalition of expatriates in the tech sector, brainstorming in group chats on WhatsApp and Signal, found a potential solution. SpaceX, which manufactures a line of mobile internet terminals called Starlink. Well, the tripod-mounted dishes, each about the size of a computer display and clad in white plastic reminiscent of the sleek design sensibility of Musk's Tesla electric cars, they connect with a network of satellites. The units have limited range, but in this situation, that was an advantage. Although a nationwide network of dishes was required, it would be difficult for Russia to completely dismantle Ukrainian connectivity. Now, of course, Musk could do so. Three people involved in bringing Starlink to Ukraine, all of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity because they worried that Musk, if upset, would withdraw his services, told me, uh, this is, again, by the way, this is Ronan Farrow, told me that they originally overlooked the significance of his personal control. Now, this is a quote, nobody thought about it back then. One of them, a Ukrainian tech executive, told Ronan. He went on to say, it was all about let's fucking go. People are dying. So as I read this again, if I say me, just remember it's Ronan Farrow's voice. In the ensuing months, fundraising in Silicon Valley's Ukrainian community, contracts with the U.S. Agency for Internal Development and with European governments and pro bono contributions from SpaceX facilitated the transfer of thousands of Starlink units to Ukraine. 
A soldier in Ukraine's Signal Corps, who was responsible for maintaining Starlink access on the front lines and who asked to be identified only by his first name, Mikola, told me it's the essential backbone of communication on the battlefield. Initially, Musk showed unreserved support for the Ukrainian cause, but as the war ground on, SpaceX began to balk at the cost. We are not in a position to further donate terminals to Ukraine or fund the existing terminals for an indefinite period of time. That was SpaceX's director of government sales to the Pentagon in a letter last September. CNBC recently valued SpaceX at nearly $150 billion. Forbes estimated Musk's personal net worth at $220 billion, making him the world's richest man. Musk was also growing increasingly uneasy with the fact that his technology was being used for warfare. That month, at a conference in Aspen attended by business and political figures, Musk even appeared to express support for Vladimir Putin. This is a quote. He was on stage and he said, we should be negotiating. Putin wants peace. We should be negotiating peace with Putin. This is Reid Hoffman, who helped start PayPal, by the way, with Musk. That's what he was recalling from that conference. Musk seemed, he said, to have bought what Putin was selling, hook, line, and sinker. A week later, Musk tweeted a proposal for his own peace plan, which called for new referendums to redraw the borders of Ukraine and granted Russia control of Crimea, the semi-autonomous peninsula recognized by most nations, including the United States, as Ukrainian territory. In later tweets, Musk portrayed as inevitable an outcome favoring Russia and attached maps highlighting eastern Ukrainian territory, some of which he argued prefer Russia. Now, Musk also polled his Twitter followers about the plan, which is just fucking weird, by the way. Well, that's official. That's official. Millions responded, mostly his bots. That's not in the story. About 60% rejected the proposal. Vladimir Zelensky, as we know, Ukraine's president, tweeted his own poll asking users whether they preferred the Elon Musk who supported Ukraine or the one who's now seemed to back Russia, which is hysterical because, as we know, Zelensky used to be a comic, so I'm not surprised he's got chops. Now, the former one, by the way, though Zelensky's polls had a smaller turnout, Musk has more than 20 times as many followers. By then, Musk's sympathies appeared to be manifesting on the battlefield. One day, Ukrainian forces advancing in contested area in the South found themselves suddenly unable to communicate. This is a quote. We were very close to the front line. Mikola, the Signal Corps soldier, told Ronan. Sorry, it's hard for me reading this because it's Ronan's voice, but he told me. We crossed this border and the Starlink stopped working. The consequences were immediate. Went on to say, communications became dead. Units were isolated. When you're on offense, especially for commanders, we need a constant stream of information from battalions. Commanders had to drive to battlefield to be in radio range, risking themselves, Mikola said. It was chaos. Ukrainian expats who had raised funds for the Starlink units began receiving frantic calls. The tech executive recalls a Ukrainian military official telling him, we need Elon now. How now? He replied, like fucking now, the official said. People are dying. Another Ukrainian involved told me that he was awoken by a dozen calls saying they lost connectivity and had to retreat. The Financial Times reported that outages affecting units in, uh, is it Kherson? Kherson. Kherson. You're going to have to help me with these. Zap- yeah, Horzone, Zaporizhia, Kharkiv, Donetsk, and Luhansk. Thank you so much. American and Ukrainian officials told me they believe that SpaceX had cut the connectivity via geofencing, cordoning off areas of access. Yeah, that's something that he had to do. He had to 
do that. He had to right. cut off Like those. actively do that. He yeah. had to have done that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, this is the end of it. Again, this is Ronan. And Musk's pro-Putin stance aligns with his goals in China. Keep China happy because that's where he makes Tesla's Beijing disapproved of Musk helping Ukraine because they lend support to Russia. That explains Musk's desire to hand Taiwan over to China. This is an incredible story. You're going to want to read the whole thing. Again, it's the New York Times, uh, Ronan Farrow, and we recommend going there immediately if you're interested in this, and you should be, because it, it's it's about national security. It's truly harrowing. The stuff about PayPal and SpaceX and Tesla isn't much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's um, it's really a, a, an incredible expose. Hats off to uh, Ronan Farrow. I hope he wins a Pulitzer for this. All right, we have to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Do you recall those weird health classes in middle school? They taught us about hormones, but nobody mentioned how your hormones could be out of balance. As an adult, I've come to appreciate the essential nature of balance and mix hers has helped me find it within my own body. Their natural supplements designed specifically for women have made an enormous impact on my health. Mixers simplifies hormonal health with nutritional supplements designed for every stage of life. From that very first period to the onset of hot flashes, they have something for everyone. Did you know the leading cause of hormonal imbalance is nutritional deficiency? That's where her time steps in, delivering the precise nutrients your hormones need to settle and function properly. This is not a quick fix. Her time is created for daily consumption, promoting consistent internal health. And you can trust Mix Hers. Every product is 100% natural and gluten-free with no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. Nothing like that. And my favorite product is Her Thrive. It's specifically formulated with ingredients to target hormone fluctuations that cause a range of menopausal symptoms. I just aged myself there, but this has really helped. It does for me so many things. It boosts my energy, it boosts my mood, offers relief from night sweats and hot flashes. Plus, the taste is amazing. Healthy options like this are a priority for me, and Mix Hers nails it. You've heard the buzz about Mix Hers, but this is your sign to give it a try. Mix Hers birthday sale is live. Get 15% off site-wide. Plus, if you subscribe, you lock in that 15% discount for the lifetime of your subscription. Are you ready to take your hormone health seriously? Head to mixhers.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans for an additional $5 off your first purchase of hormone-friendly, highly absorbable, delicious drink supplements. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, what the mutt, shout out to a spouse, shout out to a loved one, shout out to yourself. You want to brag about stuff you're doing. I want to hear about it. Uh, small business in your area that needs support, uh, send your pod pet tax. And if you don't have a pod pet, you can send an adoptable pet in your area. Anything you want to send to us, anything at all, baby pictures, frog orgies, whatever it is, uh, river and f- riverfront cleanup operations that you do and interesting things that you find, <laughs> you can send that to us <laughs> at dailybeanspot.com and click on contact. First up, anonymous intern mom. I want to shout out all the DC interns reporting in a few weeks and their families for supporting them. I'm sending mine this semester, and I'm so proud that they're showing up for our state and country. I'm anonymous because I've been forbidden from gushing on social, but it's hard not to. I'm so proud of them and Gen Z who are showing up and voting. How cool. If you have an intern, go into the go into DC. Let us know. We'll keep you anonymous. That's so rad. That is awesome. 
I love that. It's a great way to start this good news block. This is from Jen, she and her. Greetings from Purple Spokane, Washington. Thank you for bringing the news in such a concise and sweary way. I never miss an episode and I know I'm more informed because of it. I was a mess during the midterms, just holding my breath to see if our democracy would stand another day. And your enthusiastic hello put me at ease every morning. Uh, that, that was a little more Mrs. Doubtfire than it was Allison Gill, but that's okay. <laughs> I figured if something really devastating happened, more than all the bullshit we already endured, your hello would be much more somber. I mean, maybe not, but it made me feel better to think so. Thanks for that all you do. Be like, hello. And he's like, hey. All right. Pet Tax is my very spoiled but very fun dog's Reese and Lumi. Reese, because she is the color of peanut butter cup and Lumi means snow. These mm. girls are inseparable, high energy, and so much fun. Oh, look at these babies. And they're beautiful. That sunset. Wow. On the soccer pitch there. That's beautiful. Love it. Thank you for sending in your pod pets. And, um, Thank you. Hello. Yeah. Um, I, I, I never, th I don't think I change it up too much, but maybe on some days you can tell when it might be a little bit different. Next up from Ruth Ann, pronoun she and her, I'm celebrating having written and donated the intro and other incidental music for This Academic Life, an excellent podcast for those already in or seeking to enter STEM-oriented careers in academia. The three women who host this podcast are inspiring, pioneering women who generously share what they've learned with over 50 episodes so far. A wonderful resource for young people interested in what science professors and researchers actually do day to day. Ruthann, congrats. You wrote and gave the intro and other incidental music. You're a composer. That's so fucking badass. It's amazing. I'm going to grab the next one too because it's a frog orgy. Oh, okay, no, good. it's not, but I'm going to grab it anyway. <laughs> Catherine the Farmer Wannabe. This is not a frog orgy, womp womp, but it's about animals getting it on. I plant native plants in my garden. The neighbors hate me. Monarch butterflies are endangered, loss of habitat, especially along migration routes. I plant things that they feed and lay eggs on. Milkweed beetles share the plants with the monarchs. This is my butterfly weed. I saw these beetles making whoopee one day, and the next day there were about 20 pairs. And this is why I have butterfly weed and plenty of plants for monarchs to feed on. Hey, all right. Get it, get it. <laughs> That's an interesting way to go about it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful garden, though. Indeed. They're very cool. All right. This is her Missy pronoun, she and her. Hello, fabulous beans queens. I'm a huge fan of all the MSW podcasts and have been listening since 2018, beginning with Muller She Wrote. I'm grateful for the way you dispense the news in a smart, concise, and caring way with lots of laughs, swears, and an emphasis on justice. So I have a confession blanky story. It's a tad embarrassing, but I know I'm telling it in a safe space. When I was born, I was given a beautiful yellow blanky with yellow silk around the edges. I'm now in my 40th year and still sleep with my now very tattered and torn and silkless lanky. Every night, I wrap that round of cloth around my neck before I fall asleep. This is really sweet. Please allow me to explain. The reason why I'm still so attached to this blanky is because at the very young age, my not-so-responsible babysitter turned on a Dracula movie, and I watched in horror as a young woman got the blood sucked right out of her neck. So for years after, I thought Dracula could at any moment sneak in my room, suck my blood. But my blankie was my protector. It kept my neck safe from the horrors of blood-sucking vampires. So I know now that vampires aren't real, right? <laughs> but it became habitual to keep my blankie close at bedtime every night to keep me safe. Daw. Hmm. 
I'd also like to do a quick share of my business, if that's all right. Every day when I listen to your podcast, I'm also painting commissioned portraits. I paint dogs, cat, people, houses, just about anything you'd like to have painted. It's called Missy's Portraits. I actually was commissioned by Billy Bush to paint a portrait of him back in 2012. And he was actually kind of a jerk even then. <laughs> he shared my painting on Access Hollywood, but then made fun of it. And he didn't even mention my name. Ugh. Anyways, uh, because I'm an artist, I live the life of a feast or famine. It's not exactly feast time recently. So check out, and this is the site, missysportraits.com. M-I-S-S-Y-S, missysportraits.com. And for pet tax, here's my sweet Sarasota. Can you guess her breed? Some portraits from Missy. That is a man coon. I have learned this oh. on this podcast. That's a man face and it's a beautiful cat. What a beautiful baby. Oh, and then the baby in the next picture. But Sarasota is the dog we need to check out. Look at these portraits. They're beautiful. This is incredible, Missy. I love the sloths. You're really fucking talented. The dog at the beach looks like a photograph, man. It does. So I honestly, the, I thought the cat was a photograph until you just reminded me these are portraits. No, I th is the cat a painting? Yes. Holy shit. Yep. Wow. Fuck Billy Bush. Missy. Yeah, this is amazing. All right. Here's Sarasota for Wet the Mutt. German Shepherd. For sure. Looks like there's a beagle chest color. Looks like a Vishla in there maybe or a, or a Ridgeback. Beautiful dog. I love the eyes. You know. Um, a lab, hmm. a little snout, Australian shepherd. The snout looks Australian shepherd to me. All right. All right. Let's see what we got. Australian shepherd, German shepherd. Oh, black lab beagle. All right. We got two. Yeah. Did you say beagle? I said beagle. I oh, said lab, got... but I didn't say black lab. We got, oh, we, well, we, I think that's like 75%. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Good job. Killing Love it. you guys so much. Keep being awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for that Whoopi story. What a great Whoopi story. You still, to this day, you're 40, you wrap it around your neck to keep the vampires away. Did you ever, when you were younger and when you watched The Lost Boys, did you ever, uh, like, try to put garlic on it? I'm really <laughs> curious. I love <laughs> like, that movie were, so much. Like, were there other measures that you took to prevent, of keep vampires away? Did you have crosses and <laughs> holy water? I gotta know. Uh, so, Missy, let us know. Thanks, everybody, for these submissions. These are wonderful. We need more good news. Send in all of your good news, even if it's just to say hi and, and tell me a great day that you had recently in your life or to just talk about somebody in your life that you really care about uh, and and somebody or maybe somebody who really cares about you and how it feels to have your heart loved by others. Just something, anything you want to think about. Maybe we'll start giving giving writing prompts. Those are your prompts for today for good news. And, and, and of course, anything else, you're not just restricted to those. You can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before I hop on a plane to Denver th for this Patreon meet and greet? No, have a blast. Tell the folks I said hi and just be safe, please. I definitely will do all I can uh, outside of fly the plane myself, which actually would probably be a lot less safe. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but we'll be back in your ears tomorrow. I promise. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. Take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. 
Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch you will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.